Listeners, before diving into this episode, I just want to put out a huge trigger warning. In this episode, I will be discussing eating disorders, anorexia, weight, and other mental health issues. If you are easily triggered by this, I highly suggest you listen with caution or do not listen to this episode. I will preface every episode with this trigger warning because I will be discussing very touchy and sensitive topics that some may not be able to handle. I want everyone to feel safe in this environment and to just keep in mind that this podcast is an educational podcast meant to spread awareness on eating disorders and my journey through them. Everything mentioned in these episodes will be real, genuine content. No sugarcoating and no holding back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the second episode of Reasons for Recovery. First off, I just want to say thank you so much for all the positive reviews on the first episode, and thank you to all who have listened so far. It really means a lot to me. In today's episode, I want to dig even deeper into understanding my eating disorder and tell you guys my entire backstory. I'm going to fill you guys in on everything, when my eating disorder went downhill, to the start of my recovery, everything in between. I've never verbally shared my story in full detail before, so this is completely new to me. Usually when I tell people my story, I leave out a lot of detail, or I don't really go fully into every aspect of my struggles with anorexia, but today that's going to change. I'm going all in and sharing every bit of my story that I can possibly remember. And keep in mind, I am doing this to spread awareness. I am doing this to hopefully get the point across that eating disorders are no laughing matter and certainly not something that you want. We live in a society now where people degrade their bodies and wish that they were skinnier, but trust me, it is not worth it whatsoever. And hopefully after I share my story, you will see that. So I'm just going to go ahead and dive on in and let's start from the very beginning. Alright, so my story begins my junior year of high school. As you have known, if you listened to the last episode of this podcast, I estimated my eating disorder to kind of start developing around my junior year, which was about... 2017, 2018, around that time. I had just gotten out of a very, very bad breakup. I was at a very low point in my life, and I honestly just wanted to completely start over and change in some sort of way. I wanted to be a completely different person. So I decided that I was going to pick up um, exercising as a hobby. I had already played around with exercising every now and again, but I wasn't doing it so frequently to the point where it was really benefiting me at all. So I wanted to change that and do that a little bit more, make it better for myself. On top of exercising, I also decided to 
form better eating habits because before my junior year of high school, I was not the greatest of eaters. I was very picky and I ate a lot of junk and crap that is not really that healthy. So I really wanted to spruce up my diet a little bit and eat a lot more cleaner than I was beforehand. So I decided to combine these two things and do them in a healthy way. I researched, I looked up every tip and trick that I could do in order to exercise and have a healthy diet and balance that safely. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was eating normally and healthy and I was exercising regularly, but not so intensely to where it was hurting me. And because I did this, I think I dropped 20 pounds or so initially, and that was over the course of like six months. So as you can see, that's a very healthy way of losing weight. Um, I balanced my food and my exercise, and I lost 20 pounds in a substantial amount of time. I didn't lose it all in like one month. I lost it over a good time period. So I was very, very happy with myself. I was very proud and I felt like this brand new person. I just loved the feeling. Everything about it was great. So I decided to keep up this lifestyle. I decided that I wanted to stay this way because I was happy and I was healthy and I, I just liked every aspect of it. So I continued to exercise. I continued to eat better. Then Towards the end of my junior year, I met a boy, and I was, I was good friends with this boy, and I kind of started to develop a little bit of a crush on him, and um, this boy in particular, he was like an avid runner. He, was, he loved to run, and that was kind of like his thing in high school was he was a runner, and I decided, <laughs> this is going to sound stupid, but every girl does something stupid to impress a boy at one point in their life. But I decided in order to impress this guy, I was going to start running too, so I could have something in common with him. So I picked up the hobby of running, hoping that would make him notice me and kind of draw him closer to me. I don't think it really worked out because we never dated, so <laughs> it didn't work out in the end. But my whole point of this is that when I started running about two weeks into this whole new hobby of mine, I found out that I actually enjoyed it. Like, I actually enjoyed getting outside and going on a run. It, it actually brought me joy and kind of served as a form of therapy for me. So... Like I said, about two weeks in, it no longer became a form of trying to entice a boy. It was a form that I actually enjoyed and, and had fun doing. So at that point, it was like, okay, I'm no longer trying to impress somebody. I'm actually doing this for me now. And I, I started running on my own time and at my own pleasure. And I really, really enjoyed it. And so I, I started off, you know, like every runner should. I started very small, like maybe a mile or so. And I did that like maybe two to three times a week, which is very good. That's a good place to start. And at this time, I was keeping up with my eating habits. I was doing well, still eating fine. And 
I wasn't really cutting out much at this point. I was just watching what I ate, made sure that it was good for my body and not something like fried and oily, you know, stuff like that. So I was, you know, keeping up the same um, habits of balancing exercise and eating. And about halfway through my junior year, I kind of upped the ante a little bit. I started to up my mileage, which is completely fine and decent, nothing wrong with that. I went from running like a mile every every other day or maybe like three times a week. I upped that to two miles and then I upped it to three miles. And then I found myself uh, from running like two to three times a week to like four times a week, which is completely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as my eating habits were the same, it was okay. But that was not the case. <laughs> um, I kept upping my mileage and upping my time a week that I was running. And then my eating started to change. I decided that I was going to try something new. I went on the keto diet. Very bad idea. <laughs> um, but I went on the keto diet. And if you don't know what that diet is, basically it consists of cutting out carbs, breads, sugars, all of that stuff. Which, if you're not aware, you need carbs if you're a runner. That's how your body gets its energy, is from carbs. And with being on the keto diet and upping my mileage every week, it was starting to take an effect on me. So I was cutting out all this sugar, which I mean, I already was cutting out sugar to begin with, but I wasn't cutting out carbs and stuff like that. But I started cutting my carbs down significantly. And as I was doing this, I was upping my mileage and upping the time that I would run per week. So there was a little bit of a disproportional balance here. My mileage was going up as my food was going down. And that is not the kind of trend that you want to stay healthy. So I started just avoiding anything and everything that was fried, that had bread in it, pastas, like... All of my favorite foods that I had loved beforehand, like Italian food, that's my absolute favorite food, favorite type of food. Literally could not eat a single thing from an Italian cuisine because it's all bread, it's all carbs. I avoided everything like that, which is fine. It's not like it's going to hurt you, but it's the way I was doing it was not fine because I was... Like I said, I was running all the time, and that's not a good balance. <laughs> and then it got to the point where now my mileage just kept on increasing. It kept on going up and up and up as my food intake was going down and down and down. And eventually I found myself running every single day, except I would take one rest day. So like five, no, six times a week. I would run six times out of the seven days a week. And I would run, like, at the least amount two miles, which meant that that was my minimum. My maximum at that time was four miles or so. So I was still in the two to four mile range, but like I said, I was cutting down significantly, and it just kept 
going lower and lower. Now, this is towards the end of my junior year. I'm about to be a senior in high school, and I found out something new about food. Suddenly, it occurred to me that food has more than just carbs and sugars and fibers and all of that. Suddenly, I realized that that big number at the top of the nutrition label means something. <laughs> I finally understood what calories were. Beforehand, I had no knowledge at all of what a calorie was. Beforehand, I was just focusing on the number of grams worth of carbs in food or the grams of sugar in food. I never even noticed the number at the top of that nutrition label. It never came across my mind. But then one day, like, I just, I just saw the number and I'm like, oh, this number means something. Like, this number obviously pertains to the quality of the food. And so that started leading me down a path of counting calories. And I, I finally just realized that, oh, all this time, like, I could have been going over my calorie intake because I'm just focusing on the carbs and the sugar and the fiber, all of the things that make up the calories. So at this point, I was no longer focusing on the tiny details of the calories. I was focusing on the number, just specifically the number of the calories. So I found myself starting to count my calories every single day. At this time, I'm still I'm still running a lot. I think by this time I had upped my mileage to like five miles at the maximum, but I don't think I was ever going over five miles. So I was at that point, but I was still cutting everything out. I was still cutting down my breads, my sugars, all of that. And then at this point, it got to the point where I was no longer just cutting those out and avoiding them. I was afraid of them. This is where fear foods start to take toll in my life. I no longer was just wanting to just avoid them. I was terrified of them. And I like I could not even bother trying to eat that. I became afraid of bread. I think bread was my number one fear food. Like My first fear food was bread. Um, anything with high carbs, fried food, all of that. Like, it just suddenly there was a shift in my brain where I no longer just preferred other things over that. I actually was terrified of it, and I, I was scared of it, and I didn't want it. And that's where I think my really unhealthy eating habits started to catch up to me. And now we are into my senior year of high school, because of being on this diet and cutting down significantly on my carbs, I had lost even more weight. I think I had lost another 15 pounds by this point. So in total, I think I had lost like 35, maybe 40 pounds by now. And that was in the time span of a little less than a year. Which, honestly, if you're doing it in a healthy way, that's fine. But... The whole point here is I wasn't doing it in a healthy way. I was dropping weight significantly, and it was becoming apparent. Those last 15 pounds that I lost from doing, like, keto and stuff like that, 
that weight dropped off of me within a month, probably. And that's a lot of weight to lose within a month. And with my food just starting to be more and more restrictive and my running just starting to become more and more unhealthy, it was it was just a vicious cycle at this point. And so now, like I said, we're into senior year. I am still finding myself counting calories. And I had kind of realized, like, okay, based off of the daily intake, which is like 2,000, I think, universally, I was, you know, basing my food around that intake and counting calories based on that intake and that number. And then I would take into account the calories that I burnt off on my runs. And I would always do the math and make sure that I stayed under like 1,500 calories. And when you stay about under that range, you are guaranteed to lose weight. <laughs> I mean, there's no way around that. And that's what I was doing. I was losing weight, and I just kept losing weight. So basically my whole senior year routine was I would eat breakfast, I would go to school, and I would completely skip lunch. Literally just didn't even eat lunch because I wanted to keep my calories under 2,000 as much as possible. Then I would go home, I would go on a run, I would come back and I'd eat dinner, whatever my mom fixed me. And that was my life for most of senior year. But I did not stay on this trend. I kept getting worse and worse and worse as senior year went on. It went from eating a normal, balanced breakfast to eating something so small and minuscule. I'm talking like maybe a protein bar, maybe a handful of nuts, something really, really small that was not going to satisfy me for the whole day. So it went from, like I said, having a balanced breakfast to having maybe like 100 to 150 calorie breakfast. And then I was still not eating lunch at school. I never ate my lunch at school senior year. I can't even remember like eating anything for lunch my senior year. If anything, I would eat a snack like out of the vending machine. I think every now and again I would buy like the peanut butter crackers that they sell in the vending machines or like a bag of chips or something like that. But that would be like the maximum for lunch. I would not even like I would avoid lunch at all costs. And then like I said when I went home I would run and then I'd have dinner whatever my mom would fix me. But since I was so restrictive on what I wanted to eat, you know, if she, say she cooked spaghetti that night, I wouldn't eat that. Like, I would fix something else on my own because I was afraid of carbs at that point. I was afraid of wheat and grains and stuff like that. Stuff that you definitely need in your body if you're going to be a runner. But if she made something that had a fear food of mine in it, I would just fix something on my own. And I don't know if she was totally okay with that or not because <laughs> it was just me. I was just doing my own thing. Like I said, I would fix my meals sometimes if my if what we were having for dinner that night was not something I would eat. But then it got to the point where the meals that I was fixing were not satisfying or healthy meals whatsoever. I can specifically remember 
one time during my senior year, I came home for dinner and we had, I can't remember what we were having that night, but I obviously was not going to eat it because it had like carbs in it or something probably. And I remember for dinner that night, I made myself a smoothie with an apple, spinach, and milk in it, like almond milk in it. Those are the only three ingredients, so already off to a bad start. And then I think I had like a bowl of trail mix and that was my dinner that that was literally my dinner and that was nothing that could have not satisfied me for the rest of the night but I made it satisfy me for the rest of the night because I was terrified of getting my calories any higher than 1500 at that point I was so terrified I would go over and I tried to keep everything as low as possible like I've been saying that's very disproportionate to what I should have been living. My mileage was going up every single day and my calories just kept getting lower and lower and lower. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, either a maintenance of calories in running or, you know, as you're upping your running, you need to up your calories as well. What you put into your body or what you expel from your body, you need to put back in to keep a healthy lifestyle. And I was not doing that, and I just couldn't wrap my mind around that. So by the end of my senior year, I kept th- I kept these um, lifestyles my entire senior year like this. And by the end of my senior year, I had dropped even more weight. And everyone thought that it was healthy. I mean, I don't actually know if everyone thought it was healthy, but everybody thought that I was this, like, cool runner girl that was, you know, doing things in a healthy way. I I advertised myself as being healthier, and I definitely wasn't. But I remember graduating high school at, hmm, I can't remember how much I had lost by that point, but I know that I had lost at least another 10 pounds my senior year alone. And it was only just going more and more downhill as the the days went on, but I remember graduating, and looking back, I definitely had started showing signs of anorexia at this point. Um, Maybe about two months before I graduated, I lost my period, which right then and there should be a sign that something is wrong. Ladies, if you do not get your period regularly or at all, that's not healthy. That's definitely not healthy. And I did not read into this sign whatsoever. I completely ignored it. It was nothing to me. Like, I didn't even, it was just something I didn't have to worry about anymore. Once I figured out, like, oh, I lost my period, I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I just don't have to deal with that anymore. But yeah, I think that was the first sign that I was suffering from anorexia and an eating disorder all in one, uh, was the fact that I lost my period my senior year, two months before I graduated. And I didn't really tell anybody about it. If I, I knew if I had told my parents or like if I told my mom, she would have known something was wrong. But I didn't really tell anybody about it. I just kept it quiet to myself. And so I graduated high school, got ready for college, my eating habits were the exact same. 
and my running habits had just kept, they just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Um, now by this point, I am running four to five miles every single day. Like, I would not go any lower than four miles. Like, I made sure that was the lowest I would go. Usually, when I first started, my minimum would be, like, a mile to two miles, but now, like, I, I did not enjoy it. My I did not enjoy my run if I did not run four or more miles, which is very, very unhealthy. That's a very unhealthy mindset to have. But I would make sure to run so much to the point where I felt satisfied. And I felt satisfied once I hit, like, five miles. And my calories were the exact same as usual. They were just decreasing day by day and I was getting more and more restrictive on what I wanted to eat. Everything was still cut out as usual and I even cut more things out just to add on to the whole list of fear foods and such and I could just see a progression starting to happen that I was just losing more and more and more weight. But at this point now, I had the mindset that that was okay and that that was healthy. Because once you develop an eating disorder, that's your mindset. Your mindset is the skinnier you are, the better. And that's not okay. That's not an okay mindset to have whatsoever. But that's what was in my mind. Every single day, I was always thinking, the skinnier I get, the better I'm going to look. And at that point, I was already pretty bony. I was already very scrawny. When I graduated... I was a very scrawny person, and it just kept getting more and more and more apparent as the summer went on after my senior year. So into the summer, I started to add on to my exercising. Yeah, you thought it would stop there, but it doesn't. <laughs> um, I started to run and also, on top of running throw in some strength exercises to build muscle because, like I had just mentioned, I was a very scrawny person. I didn't really have much muscle definition because I was doing so much cardio that I, I had nothing. I had no bulk or anything. I was just a stick. So I decided to do some strength on top of the running that I was already doing, which was just adding more and more stress to my body. It was not helping me whatsoever. It was just making my body worse. And of course, I'm not upping any calories at this point. I'm still decreasing them day by day. Like I'm not even, at this point, it's like absentmindedly. Like absentmindedly, I am l losing calories and I'm not even thinking about it. Like at this point, it's just part of my life and I'm getting lower and lower and lower without me even really understanding or knowing. And so my exercising is increasing. Now I am running like six miles a day, seven miles a day. I, I've become a big distance runner at this point. And my calories just keep going down. Yep, you guessed it. Obviously, they're just going to keep going down and down and down. And at this point... I was not satisfied unless my calorie intake was under a thousand. Under a thousand, guys. That is absolutely terrible. 
you need like 2,000 a day to have a to maintain your weight to have a normal lifestyle but if you're if you were a distance runner like I was at the time you need way more than 2000 way more than 2000 because your body is expelling so many calories that you have been taking in that you need more to make up for it and instead of putting more into my body I just kept putting less into my body and I don't know why my mind was being so dumb at that point I was just so engulfed with an eating disorder that it was just second nature to me. It was nothing to me. I thought it was healthy. I thought it was okay. And it was not. It was not okay at all. So this is like the summer right before I went to college. I went to college in July of that summer, 2019. And I had lost even more weight, of course. With that lifestyle, you would expect me to lose more. And I was just keeping up the same habits every single day. And those habits were increasing to be worse and worse and worse habits. Like I just said, I would maintain like a thousand calorie intake or even lower, even lower. That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. And my exercising had just gone absolutely haywire. It got to the point where it was just obsessive. It was overly obsessive. I could not go a day without exercising. If I missed a day of running, I would just be irritable the rest of the day. I would be mad at myself. I would just be a mess the rest of the day because I didn't get an exercise in. Like, I was so dependent on exercise. I just wanted that so bad in my life that when I didn't get it, I would just throw a fit about it, basically. And that's not a good, healthy habit to have. You can't make something so obsessive in your life when it's not meant to be obsessive. Like, exercising is not something that you want to be overly obsessive about because then it becomes a very bad thing in your life and it controls your life and you revolve your life around it, which at that time, that's what it was. I was revolving my entire life around when am I going to run? When am I going to exercise? When am I going to do this and that? Like, I did not plan my day unless it had running in it. Like, I planned my day specifically around when I was going to run, how much I was going to run. And that just, it took over my life. It absolutely took over my life. And so I went to college fully expecting that I would lose these habits because now I was on a more stricter, tighter schedule. I I fully intended that I was going to lose these habits and not be able to run as much as usual. But of course, since I had a very obsessive lifestyle with running, I didn't quit. I didn't even bother trying to quit. I just kept on going. And I made sure that exercise would fit into my day somehow. I was going to make it happen somehow. And on the days when I couldn't run or could not find a time to run at all, or when it was raining outside, something like that, I would make sure to do, like, the most intense exercise I possibly could in my dorm room. Like, I made sure to make up for something every opportunity I could. And by the time I was in college, my calories had gotten even lower. I had now gone to the point of eating a thousand calories to eating even less than that. And I would make sure that 
on top of the calories I had eaten that I had burned off more than I had eaten. And there would be days when my caloric intake was like in the 700s, 800s, like it would be in the triple digits. That is absolutely terrible. Like the worst thing you could possibly do to yourself. And I just kept going. I kept on going more and more and more and I was not going to stop and I felt like there was definitely no end to this cycle that I had. So my calories were very, very restrictive. I just kept cutting out more and more and more as the months went on in college. And my running was about the same. Like I said, I fully intended on cutting back on my running when I went to college, but nope, I just kept it the exact same. And every now and then I would up my mileage a little bit more. So that's that whole um, proportional aspect of running and exercise and eating was just exactly the same. Eating was going down, exercise was going up. And this kept causing more and more issues to my body. So that was my first semester of college. That was summer semester and then the fall semester rolls around and like I said everything was still the same. I was revolving my day around running, revolving my day around exercise, and revolving everything around what I was going to eat that day. And I would say that freshman year, my uh, fall semester of freshman year, was where it really, really went downhill. Like, it, it already was getting pretty bad, as you can already tell, but at this point, it was getting really bad. Like, terrifyingly bad. And um, basically, I would wake up in the morning. Here was my routine for the fall semester. I would wake up in the morning, and I would eat something very, very small. I mean, talking like a hundred calories worth of something very, very small for breakfast. Oh, and I should mention, this is like at four in the morning. I would wake up at four in the morning almost every single day, and I would eat breakfast, and then I'd wait about an hour, and then I'd go on my run. I'd go on my run at about 5 a.m. every single day, and I would run for an hour. Doesn't matter what the, the time was, doesn't matter, or not the time, it doesn't matter what the distance was, I ran for an hour every single morning. And that was my <laughs> that was my lifestyle with running at that point. Then I would come back, I would completely skip lunch, just like I did throughout my senior year of high school. I'd completely skip my lunch. If I was really feeling it, I would eat maybe a snack during the day. But that snack would be like an apple or a protein bar, like something not even worth having a snack over, like something really, really small. And then I would kind of just go all out for dinner. Like I would actually eat a decent meal for dinner. I would eat anything from the dining hall to just anything from like a grocery store or whatever. Like I would actually eat a decent dinner. But that that's not the case here with like actually having a healthy dinner for once. Then I would go to the gym that night, I would run in the morning, and then I'd go to the gym at night. And at the gym, I would work, I would not leave the gym until I had worked off every calorie that I had eaten for dinner. 
So say I had a 300, or not 300, let's say I had like a 400 calorie meal, which is already pretty low at that point. But imagine I had a 400 calorie meal, I would go to the gym and I would not leave that gym until at least 300 calories of that 400 were worked off. Terrible mindset to have. Absolutely terrible mindset to have. So you can imagine at that point, my daily caloric intake was way, way lower than a thousand like it originally was. It was actually way lower than like 700 like it was my uh, summer semester of college. Every single day, my net calories, are you ready for this? Because I, I definitely cannot believe this. My net calories per day, every single day, were ranging from 300 to 500. 300 to 500 calories. That's just one single meal for some people. And probably not even one single meal. Sometimes that's like half of a single meal. Like, I was surviving off of that per day. Instead of having 2,000 plus calories like I should have been eating, for the, for the type of exercise that I was enduring on myself, I should have been eating like 2,500 or probably even more calories at that point. And I wasn't. I was eating maybe 700 to 800 or maybe like 1,000 at the most. But I was working them all off. I worked out so much to the point where my net calories for the day were in the 300 to 500 range. And that is such an unhealthy habit to have. I cannot stress to you enough how bad that is. It's just, that's absolutely terrifying. It's terrible. It's so unhealthy. And I don't know how I kept up this, this whole mindset during my freshman year. And... As you can probably assume, my body and my health had started catching up to all of these bad habits. I already told you beforehand, my senior year of high school, I completely lost my period. I had not gained it back. Like, I was still, I still had not had a period for a few months now at this point, and I had thought nothing of it. And now we are starting to see a lot more start to become wrong with me. Uh, physically, I definitely looked like I was anorexic. Like, you definitely could tell I had problems with anorexia. It was becoming apparent my senior year, and now, freshman year of college, it was, like, very obvious that I was anorexic. I was constantly cold, all the time. I remember, like, during the summer semester... It would be like 80 degrees and I remember taking like extremely hot showers just to warm up because I was so cold, even in 80 degree weather. And there were so many other symptoms I could go on about, but in the next podcast I'll, or the next episode of the podcast, I will be discussing all those symptoms. But like I said, my body had just started to take a toll. It had finally started to catch up after all these years of unhealthy habits. Everything started to catch up to me. I started to develop a lot of really, really bad eating disorder habits. I would start, I don't, I don't know why I did this, but one of my main habits that I had was that I would buy food from the grocery store or from a restaurant somewhere, and it would just sit 
like on my shelf or in my pantry. It would sit there for however long I wanted it to. And then I would never eat it. I would just throw it away. Like, I would always make up the excuse, like, oh, I don't know why I bought this. I'm never going to eat it. And then I'd throw it away. Like, I wasted so much money on food just to let it sit on the counter and then throw it away later. That that was one of the most unhealthy eating habits I had with my eating disorder. Another very bad habit that I had was that I, I started to miss a lot of the foods that I was restricting which when you have an eating disorder and you are super restrictive on your food and caloric intake, you start to want to binge on certain things. You start to want to have certain foods. And once you experience those certain foods, you just go on an all-out binge, and it's terrifying. But I would do this thing where I would make the type of food that I wanted, or I would buy the food that I really wanted, but no, I did not want to have. Like, for example, um, I was terrified of peanut butter at the time. I, I did not want to eat peanut butter. I was scared of it because it was too many calories and blah, blah, blah. But, um, I would buy peanut butter or like any sort of nut butter and I would put it on a piece of bread and then I would completely eat the entire piece of bread. But, I would not swallow it. I would spit it out. That's a a very big eating disorder habit that a lot of people have to enjoy the food that they want to have, but instead of getting the calories worth of that food, they spit it out. And I did that a lot. I did a lot of chew and spit, which I think that's what it's called, chewing and spitting. I did a lot of that. I would always take a food that I was scared of and I would chew it just to get the satisfaction of it, but then I'd spit it out before even trying to swallow it. And I did that a lot. And I honestly don't even know if that's an effective way of, like, enjoying your food without actually eating it. I don't even know if that's effective or the calories still counted. I don't know. I really don't know. But I did that chewing and spitting eating habit a lot. And um, so that was majority of my fall semester of my freshman year. Getting into the spring semester, it was a little different. Over that Christmas break in between fall and spring, I was, (laughs) I came home and I remember everybody was absolutely like in shock of how I looked because at this point it was very apparent. It was, (laughs) there's no way of hiding that I was anorexic. Like, There was no way. I definitely showed that I was anorexic. Everybody was concerned. Everybody was worried. I had so many people go up to my mom and say, like, what is wrong with your daughter? Like, she needs help right now. And I had so many people concerned. And the fact that I didn't take into account of any of the people concerned about me, that just shows you, like, how bad an eating disorder can affect your brain. It can twist your mind. It can make you think that you're okay when you're not. Every part of me wanted to believe that what these people were saying and what these people were warning me about was a sign to go get help, but my eating disorder would always take over and say, nope, 
don't listen to them. They're not right. You're fine. You're perfect the way you are. Just keep on doing the same habits every single day. Keep losing weight. You're going to look better the skinnier you get. And it would just take over. That voice would take over every single day. Even though I knew what I was doing was unhealthy, I just couldn't stop myself because I was so deep into my eating disorder that there was literally no turning back. So I I kept getting so many different concerns over that Christmas break that I went home for the for Christmas from college. I had so many people concerned. Like, it was crazy how I didn't even bother listening to them. It was so crazy. I remember not enjoying any bit of my Christmas break because I was so wrapped around like, when am I going to run? What am I going to eat today? When am I going to exercise again? I was so involved in all of that, that I just, I literally did not even stop to take time to enjoy my life and enjoy being home with my family. Like I, I didn't even bother thinking about that because my life revolved around eating and exercising and running. That was my life now and there was no changing it. I, I don't even remember enjoying Christmas that much. I barely remember Christmas, honestly, because my memory is so foggy from those points in my life. And I just, I just remember it just not being a good Christmas break at all. I just, I didn't enjoy it whatsoever because I was so wrapped around eating and running and exercising. And I just didn't enjoy myself. I didn't enjoy being home with my family. I rarely came home my freshman year of college in the fall semester. So the fact that I was finally home for like two months with my family and I didn't even enjoy it, that's that's just sad. That's honestly really, really sad that I didn't enjoy being at home with my family for once because I I was just so enthralled in myself and what I was going to do with myself. I was so selfish and my mood was so pessimistic and irritable and I, I literally hated everything it was so bad but finally going into my spring semester as you can imagine I was keeping the exact same habits I was keeping everything the same calories were getting lower running was getting higher it was just getting so 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 bad and now at this point more physical aspects and more like bodily aspects started to show up. Everything started to catch up to me. I had finally taken a new job. I think it was my first like real job that I ever had in my life. I worked at a bakery or not a bakery, a coffee house here in Starkville, Mississippi as a baker. And I remember like my first week of work there, I was like, so exhausted and not because I was working hard but because my body just could not handle it. I remember walking around because like I would walk back and forth in the kitchen. I remember walking started to become like super super hard on me and bending over to like pick something up or like reaching up on the shelf to get something like simple little tasks like that started to become increasingly difficult. And I'm talking like I would have to sit down and like catch my breath kind of difficult. It was just, it was getting worse and worse and I was taking no consideration into it. I was like, yeah, there's nothing wrong here. I'm okay, it's fine, whatever. 
but every day when I went into work, like, it was such a chore to get through the day. And I was working, like, seven or eight-hour shifts, cooking constantly, walking back and forth, you know, staying busy. And, like I said, I noticed that walking was becoming really, really difficult. When I would walk around the kitchen, I would feel like my legs were going to, like, snap at any second. Like, my legs were so weak, and, like, you could literally see right through my legs. I had the biggest thigh gap ever, um, but you could, like, see right through my legs, and my, like, when I walked, I was, like, wobbly. I looked like I was drunk when I walked because I literally had no sense of balance, and my legs were so brittle, and I just felt like they were gonna snap in half at any moment. I know that sounds, like, really gross, but that's how it felt. It felt like every step was about to be like a bone shattering (laughs) accident. It was really bad. And like I said, I was taking no consideration into this. I was just revolving my life around, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do with my running today? Am I going to run five miles, 10 miles? What's going to happen today? I don't know. And I just wasn't taking time to really take care of myself or enjoy my life. College, honestly, was going okay. Like, I I was not failing any classes or anything. I, I remember, I think my freshman year in the fall, I was on the president's list or the dean's list, whichever the one is where you get all A's. Like, I got all A's my summer semester and fall semester. So my grades were not being really affected, like, at all. But then... In the spring semester, when everything really, really started to, like, take a toll on my body and my brain and my mental health, all of that, that's when my grades started to take a toll on me. I think um, I had all A's except for, like, one class I had a B, and then there was one class in particular that I was just failing. I was bombing it. It was terrible. And... It wasn't because I was bad at it. It was because my eating disorder was really affecting the way that I was thinking. It was affecting how I processed things and how I was learning things. And it took a toll on my grades. So now we're getting probably into mid-February of 2020 at this point. And everything's still going the same. I'm still having this job where... It's literally a chore to work at every single day. I love the job. I absolutely love it. But it was taking a toll on my body. And it was becoming very obvious to me now at this point. I remember climbing stairs started to become very difficult. I would be able to walk up like maybe three or four steps before I completely just got out of breath and had to like take a moment for a second to like just sit down and just like I said simple human everyday tasks were becoming so hard on me just simple things getting into the bed at night that was a hard task I remember having to buy a step stool to get into bed every night because I could not lift myself into the bed. My arms had gotten so weak, my legs had gotten so weak that I just could not, I could not get in the bed at night. I was constantly tired. I was never alert or awake at any point. I felt like a zombie. I felt like I was just lazy and did nothing because, you know, I was tired all the time. 
And this led to me sleeping a lot. I wouldn't just sleep at night. I would also sleep throughout the day. And I would be taking like two to three hour naps throughout the day. But when I wasn't sleeping, I was still running. I was still exercising. I definitely didn't give that up. I was still going strong with all the exercising. It was just, it was getting worse. It was getting worse and worse and worse. And I know I keep saying that like literally every five minutes, but it's true. It just kept getting more and more worse. There was literally no hope at this point. I felt like I was literally just a lost cause and that there was nothing that anyone could do to stop me from this vicious cycle that I had put myself in. I wear this Garmin watch all the time. Like, I literally cannot go without it. I started wearing it, like, my senior year of high school to count, like, my mileage and the calories that I burned and stuff like that. And I remember going into my spring semester of freshman year almost every single day I would get an alert notification from my watch that my heart rate was abnormal. I would get that all the time. And I did not take any consideration into it. I would just, you know, swipe it off of my screen, act like I didn't see it, because I I did not want to accept that I had a problem. I didn't want to accept that I was going downhill and that I was really, really damaging myself. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to admit to it. So I, I would keep getting these abnormal heart rate measures every single day, and I was not doing anything about it. And I really should not have ignored it because um, it would have definitely helped out if I, you know, did something about it at that time. But I didn't. I just let it keep going off every single day. Now we're getting to the end of February of 2020, specifically the 24th of February. I remember getting up that morning. It was a Monday. Like, I remember this day as clear as ever. It was a Monday morning. I remember getting up and going to work. I remember it being super tough that day. I remember it being tougher than usual. And I remember just every step that I was taking that day just felt like an absolute chore and nightmare. Like, I just wanted to stop stepping. I just, I wanted to stop walking. I just wished I could have laid down and not moved at all. But I remember coming back to school and going to class. I think I only had like two classes that day. And I remember just not being able to focus at all. I remember everything was just off that day, like much more off than normal. And the more that I sat in that class and realized that I really just couldn't concentrate, the more that it started to hit me that there was something wrong. I remember going to my next class and the entire time I was there, it just, everything just felt wrong. Nothing felt right at all. And I came home from class and I was like, I'm really tired of this. I'm really tired of being this way because at this point it had started to become apparent to me. I started to wake up a little bit and realized there was something wrong. There was a problem. So I thought that I could prove to myself that I could be better with my eating, at least in some sort of case. I remember I mentioned this in the last episode, but I remember I went to McDonald's and I got 
a chicken nugget meal. I think it was like the six-piece chicken nugget meal. And I was fully determined to eat it and show off that I could actually eat something not, uh, you know, not normally what I would eat for once. Because at this point, I was literally eating like the most blandest things. I was forcing myself to enjoy the most blandest things possible, like lettuce, rice cakes. Like, I'm talking the least caloric valued items, least tasty items on, like, anything. It was bad. So I was like, I'm going to eat this chicken nugget meal and I'm going to make it known that I enjoyed it and prove a point that I can actually enjoy food for once. So I sat down and I ate it and not even two minutes after I had finished that meal, I just looked at my plate and I just started bursting into tears. I mean, I was like, I just like lost all control. I completely broke down on my bed in my room. I was absolutely in shock that I just did that. I was so overwhelmed with so many bad emotions. Like I absolutely hated myself for what I did. I completely, I was complete, like I was a completely different person in that moment. I wanted to punish myself so bad for doing something like this to my body. I was so determined that this food that I just put in my body is going to make me gain weight. I'm going to gain weight overnight because I ate chicken and french fries. And all these thoughts came into my head that normal people do not have when they eat food. Normally when somebody eats food, they don't think, oh my gosh, I'm this is terrible. This is going to hurt my body. Everything about this is wrong. Like, You know, normally you would just eat food freely and not care about what you're eating, really. But I just, I didn't have that mindset. And all these emotions just overcame me. And I was just, I was constantly just crying in my bed. And I was break, I was like literally having a mental breakdown. Probably the biggest mental breakdown I ever had in my life. And that is just where it hit me. In that moment, I was like, there is a problem here. There is a big problem here that, like I said in the last episode, normal people don't cry and break down over chicken nuggets. Normal people do not want to kill themselves after they eat something like that. And in that moment, I just realized that's a big issue. This is, this is something that needs to be solved and taken care of. And I remember looking in the mirror after I ate that food And I literally, (laughs) I remember looking at myself and thinking, oh my gosh, I look disgusting. Like, it it was crazy. All All this time, all of these years, people were telling me that I was looking worse and worse. And I was not taking that into consideration at all. I was just not believing them. And then all of a sudden, I realized it and I saw myself for real for the first time. Like, I actually saw myself... And my eating disorder was not telling me otherwise. Like, I actually looked at myself and realized I do look terrible. I see what people are saying now. I look absolutely terrible. And it's crazy how it just all hit me at one point. Like, just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it it just hit me. And I ended up calling my mom, or I texted her something, and I was like, 
okay, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I need, I need help. I literally cannot do this. And I realized now that there's something wrong and I want to fix this right now. So my mom had a friend that we like went to church with and she was a pediatrician, I think. I'm not quite sure, but she was a doctor of some sort. <laughs> and she was like, okay, I'm going to go call her ask her what we need to do and I'll get back with you. So she calls her and my mom gets back with me and she's like, okay, you need to call her or text her or something right now and talk to her. So I called her friend, the doctor, and she gets on the phone with me and she's like, Krista, you gotta go to the hospital like right now. And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, you need to go to the hospital right now and get blood work done, like, immediately. This is not okay. Like, all of these things that you've been, all these things you've been doing these past few years have been damaging your body significantly. You need to go get blood work done right now. I did that. I went to the ER in Columbus, Mississippi and got some blood work done. And this was at, like, 7 o'clock at night. The doctor went and processed all the blood work and stuff, and she came back with some pretty bad news, as you can imagine. <laughs> and she came back with this long packet of all of my blood readings and stuff like that, and she was like, okay, literally everything on this list is bad. There's no good numbers on here. You need to come back tomorrow for, like, a follow-up appointment. And if I had my blood... If I had my blood work in front of me right now, I would, like, read it off to kind of give you a gist of how bad it was. But I do have some numbers memorized in my head. The main uh, factors here that were really, really concerning were my liver enzymes and my kidney levels, something like that. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But, but I remember specifically my liver enzymes were in the 200s. I think it was like 270 something. And I know like to some people they won't understand that, but to give you an understanding of how bad that number is, the normal level for kidney enzymes are like, I think it was like 60 to 62. I think that's what the sheet said. And mine were in the 200s, like high 200s. Compared to 60, that's absolutely terrifying. Like, that's really, really, really bad. I was severely damaging my, my liver, like, to the point where it was probably on the brink of failure. And I remember my kidneys were also failing, and, and my heart was also failing as well. Just a lot of, a lot of very important organs were on the brink of failure, and it was a very, very big deal, and I needed to get something done about it as soon as possible. And I remember the doctor in the ER was like, you better be glad that you came in now because if you waited another week, it probably would have been even worse news. And that was very terrifying to hear. And I think that kind of woke me up a little bit and made me realize, okay, yeah, I need to get something done. I need to get something done right now. So I went back home or I went back to my dorm at school, and the whole night I was just like, 
oh my gosh, like, there's some, there's something terribly wrong with me. Like, all of a sudden, my mind just completely shifted, and my eating disorder was no longer taking over my body. It was like my actual brain realizing how damaged I had just made myself. And I just had so many thoughts running through my brain that night, like, I, I'm, I'm literally dying. Like, I, I, I was one step closer to dying, and I didn't do anything about it. I never realized it until this very moment. And so I woke up that morning, the next morning, it was a Tuesday, and I went back to the doctor for that follow-up appointment I had to go to. And it was really more of an assessment than an appointment. I think I was meeting with like some psychiatrist or something. And she just asked me all these different questions. And basically, like I said, just got like an assessment of me. And she asked me, she said, what do you want to do with moving forward? Like, what do you want to happen with yourself? And I was just straight up honest with her. I said, look, I literally do not care at all. I just want to get help and I want to get better. And I do not care what steps I have to take in order to get there. Like at this point, my mind was so shifted and I was determined I am going to get better and I do not care how I get there. I am going to get better no matter what. And she was like, all right, I guess that's good to hear. Let me go to the doctor and talk about this and we'll see what we can do. So she steps out for a few minutes. She comes back and she's like, all right, we need to get you into the hospital right now. Like just to watch you for a few days, we, we need to make sure, you know, you get put steps in the right direction and stuff like that. So they put me inpatient in the hospital there in Columbus for a little less than a week. And yeah, that's, that's literally how it really started with, with my recovery. That was like the first step that I took to make myself start recovery was, you know, going to this hospital and being assessed and looked over and watched so I could try to get better. And I remember after that assessment, I called my mom and I was like, mom, they're wanting me to come inpatient to the hospital. Like, I'm going to have to miss like a whole week of school. And she was like, okay, I mean, I don't want that to happen. But you know, it is what it is. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it. That's what they wanted to do with me. And I mean, I told them straight up, I would literally take any path, no matter what the path was. And if they wanted to, if they wanted to take me inpatient, and that was the best step and option, then I was all for it. So I went, I went back to Starkville, packed my bags, came back, and I got put into the psychiatric ward. And that's where I stayed for about a week. Like I said before, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here. Like, this is probably where I'll stop because, like I said in the last episode, I will be going into much more detail on my time in the psychiatric ward in another episode where I'm going to talk a lot more about it and my experiences and how it scared me straight, basically. <laughs> but yeah, that that is literally where my journey ends as far as how I led up to my recovery. It was a very long and stressful and hard life that I chose to live, and I'm not proud of it. I'm really not proud of it. Every time I look back on it, I... I literally just want to go back and slap myself in the face and tell myself to realize, hey, 
you're literally killing yourself. You need to get help right now. But honestly, everything happens for a reason. And I feel like this was just a, a huge bump in my life. It was a big part of my life and it was a huge bump in my life. But I'm glad that it ended up working out in the end and that I was able to successfully recover. And I'm so happy and thankful that I'm so much more healthier now and capable of living my life without hurting and feeling like I'm dying. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's great. It's an amazing feeling that I no longer feel like that anymore and I no longer live like that anymore. But yeah, that is my entire backstory. That is my entire journey leading up to recovery. So I hope this gave you a little bit more of an understanding of how my past was and how it shaped me into who I am today. Eating disorders are literally, they are no laughing matter, no matter what. They are so very serious. And as you can tell by my journey that I just described to you, it's, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. And I never want anybody to go through the same thing I did. Like I said before, it was such a chore to live every single day like that, and it hurts me so much knowing that people have experienced similar situations to me, and it hurts me even more that people have gone through much worse than that. It's just a terrible, serious disorder. It's no joke at all. I did a little bit of research, and I actually, sa I actually found out that almost 30 million people in the United States alone suffer from an eating disorder and it is actually in the top five most common deaths in the United States. And as for anorexia like I had, the mortality rate is 10% and that makes it the most fatal eating disorder. And you really do not want to spend your life with that weight on your shoulders. It's a big part of the reason that I chose to recover. I, I literally did not want to die. I did not want anorexia to be the reason that I die. And like I stated in the last episode, if you ever feel like you are straying down that path, please do not feel afraid to reach out to me. I am here to listen. I'm here to understand your experiences. I want to make sure you're okay. But also, seek professional help. That's the best option for you, honestly. I will include all forms of hotlines in the description of this podcast. Reach out and do not be afraid to talk to them. It could save your life. It definitely saved mine, so it can save yours too. But anyways, I hope you learned something today. I know this was a little bit more of a serious episode, but all of these episodes are going to be pretty serious in some way. Just remember, it's, it's a very scary disorder to have. It's something that you should not take lightly whatsoever. And in the next episode, I will finally be getting into my reasons for recovery, with the first being my symptoms of anorexia and eating disorders. I will be sharing with you all of the symptoms that you might face if you are swept up in an eating disorder. And honestly, this is probably one of my main reasons that I wanted to seek recovery. I wanted the symptoms to go away, and you will understand and see why in this next episode where I talk about that. So yeah, that is all for you guys. Um, thank you so much for listening and supporting, and remember to stay safe and stay healthy.